And then Glen Pass, it was just huge. And there was so much snow. And, um, you know, if you don't hit it first thing when it's crunchy, it just it gets slushy and slick. Um, that was actually probably the scariest day I had on trail was coming down Glen Pass. I was with my group. There was six of us that left Kennedy Meadows together. And uh, we, me and another guy had gotten down, and we were just kind of watching everybody else come down. And all of a sudden, one of the guys in my group's group falls and slips. You see his ice axe fall. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this episode was recorded on March 13th, which seems like a lifetime ago. It's strange to hear my excitement about getting on the trail, knowing what came next. Today's guest is Snazzy, known off-trail as Mike Stone. He was also part of IBTAT's late October PCT push to the border last year. So, of course, we have to talk about it. Along the way, we also get to reminisce about being a tent dweller, the Bend Beer Tour, the kindness of strangers, and the snazzy straw. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Snazzy. Well, congratulations on completing the trail. It was an epic one. Thank it sounded you very like. much. Oh, man. So, so very much. I didn't realize until I was doing my, my little research that you were with IB Tat on that last push to the border. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the last, uh, I don't know, 60 miles or so, maybe a little more. Yeah. The mountain men miles? Yeah, it was a it was a crazy ride there at the end. It was unbelievable. As he said, it was uh, we probably shouldn't have been out there, but uh, you know we weren't we were too close to stop. Did you ever feel unsafe? Is maybe the wrong word, but did you ever feel compromised? Um, not really. There was a couple times where we had like gotten off trail. And we tried to climb up this little, I don't know, frozen over creek or whatever to get back up to the trail. And we just got up to a point where we were like, this is too steep. We need to find a different way. So other than like stuff like that, you know, if we got to a point where it was too scary or anything like that, we, we would turn around. and. So, so really any, any issues weren't necessarily related at that point to cold or, or the snow or that kind of stuff. It was more related to the conditions of the trailer, conditions of the mountains with that much yeah, snow right. on them. With that much snow on it. Right. Correct. Like it, we were stuck in, uh, I think it was Mazamov for three or four days and the snow just kept dumping and dumping. And by the time we got up there, it was pretty much knee deep most of the time. <laughs> yeah. You from Florida probably aren't ready for that. Uh, I had gone out to 
me and my wife had tried to go do the JMT a couple of years previously and went into 2017 when it was like a similar snowpack year mm-hmm. and turned around because it was snow like that. You know, we were, this is not what we want to do, but you know, you were at a different point. You know, I had just walked 2,600 miles. I wasn't about to stop for some snow. And you had just gone through the Sierras. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which was an amazing year too. Yeah. It was uh, definitely very hard, but it was, you know, it's rewarding, you know, it's, you want to, at least for me, I wanted to go and see the trail as it was that year, you know? So I wanted to try to go until I couldn't. Well, and I think, you know, Ivy Tat and I were talking about this and, and I guess I hadn't really thought about it, you know, cause I was thinking of snow as, you know, and the and the weather conditions and stuff like that as being, or I should should say the weather conditions being what would compromise the safety. But yeah. watching his videos, watching your videos, it it felt more like, you know, with the snow covering the trail, whereas a trail would be perfectly fine to walk on because it's perpendicular to the hill and that kind of stuff with the snow on it. Now, all of a sudden, you're just on a slope. Right. Just one thing under that snow that you don't see, you know, and you take a wrong step, it could be, uh, it could be over. Yeah, definitely. That's, you know, it's all part of the adventure. It is part of the adventure. And, but I think it's, it's worth saying that, you know, I think you had been hiking a lot alone up to that point. Is that correct? Much. I, I joined up with a few guys, uh, through the Sierras. Okay. Um, other than that though, yeah, I spent most of my, my hike alone. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the the point would, should be made that, you know, when you saw the conditions, you didn't just continue to go alone. You found oh no like-minded people who were also going to be smart about it. And which is, you know, it's easy to do. There's so many people out there trying to make the same decision you are. So you're going to find people that are, you know, either bailing or trying to go through. So yeah, you just pick, pick who you got to go with and, Hopefully you guys can all work it out together, which ended up with some great guys at the end. And just, we were all able to push through and make it watch each other's back. What would have been the planner? Had you guys even talked about if you had gotten to a point and somebody said, I, I can't go forward. Uh, I mean, we'd talked about it a little bit, but I mean, it was just basically we're all in or we're, our, we're all out. So, I mean, Got it. if somebody was, if somebody was just like, no, I'm done, then we're all, we're turning around and going. Okay. So that was pretty much, we didn't really talk about it much. We just kept hiking. <laughs> <laughs> the way to get the miles done, put one foot in front of the other. I, I mean, that was it. We weren't doing very many miles. It was just, just go as long as and hard as you can. And hopefully we get somewhere safe for camp. You know, it, it was sort of ironic is probably the wrong word, but you know, because everybody at the very end wants it to drag on because they know it's ending and there's very there's a lot of nostalgia and that kind of stuff about it. For you guys, oh, yeah. it was forced extension. Oh my god, it was horrible. It was like everyone's broke. Like I'm, you know, I'm calling my mom. I'm 36 <laughs> years old, calling my mom to put me up in hotel rooms and stuff. You know, so it's like it's uh, yeah. I think it took us like I think it took me over two weeks to do the last like 120 miles. So it was just, it was never ending, which would have been fine normally, but it was just snow everywhere. It wasn't that much fun. 
Yeah, it it wasn't the nostalgia that you wanted. Not quite. <laughs> but that being said, you know that's that just made it all that much better. You know, we just went through the hardest thing ever. So you know. Well, and and I think that's a an interesting point in that you know everybody talks about how the trail transforms you, and oh yeah, and it's. The experiences that you have on the trail, really, and the people that you meet and, and that kind of thing. Now, right. you went through a very tough season. You went through the Sierras, and then you finish it off with sort of the cherry on top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call it the cherry on top. It was, yeah, it definitely, it definitely topped off an epic year. Yeah. So how did, how do you feel that transformed you? Um, well, definitely, I haven't figured it all out yet, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely changed. I'm, um, it's kind of hard to come back to real life. You know, I have a wife at home, so that was definitely a, a transition that we had to get used to each other again. You know, we didn't spend time together for six months, so we spent two or three months just getting used to each other being in each other's space. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, just trying to ease back into work. I'm self-employed, so I just kind of, you know, ease my way back into jobs and that type of thing. But I'm still trying to figure out how it changed me. I'm not really wanting to do anything other than hike and <laughs> be outside. So, yeah, it sounds like that is sort of the affliction across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I could make a living hiking somehow, that would be amazing. <laughs> Have you figured out any way to make a living that would allow you to hike more, maybe? Um, I've definitely looked into some, you know, like guide jobs and things like that, which, you know, I've never done jobs like that. So I got to kind of ease my way into things like that. But the hard thing about that is, you know, more months away from my wife. So, you know, it's hard to do things like that, but I am looking into things like that guided trips, you know, camps, summer camps, things like that. How do you think that the trail and the epic year that it was last year, uh, changed you mentally or physically is probably the wrong word, but, but sort of overall in, in your space, your peace with yourself. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I mean, we went through some crazy hard times, like, you know, just insanely like death defying things where mm-hmm. you're like, Holy yeah. shit, what are we doing out here? So, and then to be able to push through those things and mentally, physically, I mean, it was just, I think that's pretty rewarding to know that you can challenge yourself and push yourself further than you ever thought possible. So I'm I'm still trying to work that into my daily life, but, <laughs> you know, it's a daily struggle. Always the challenge. Yep. Now, when you left, like your first vlog was you kind of in the airport leaving your wife and you were pretty upset about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had never been apart for more than a week. Knowing that I was getting ready to leave for five months was pretty, pretty tough. For sure. (laughs) What was the conversation like for you guys when you we're deciding to do the PCT? Um, you know, 
I don't even know. I probably blacked out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was so nervous. It was something that I was contemplating for a while. Like, is this something I really want to do? Do I even want to bother her with asking her? Like, is it even possible? Because you know, it's it's not easy to walk away from life for five six months. And yeah, you know, so it was definitely a tough conversation. But I mean, she was she was all in. I mean, a hundred percent. She knew that I was passionate about it and knew that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't shut up until I did it. So she, uh, she was all in the entire time. So she was really, I couldn't have done any of this without her. Yeah. Now was she also, I assume probably resupplying you throughout the trail. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, she helped me with all my boxes and everything before putting them all together. And I dehydrated all my own meals and did all that. And then, yeah, she sent me resupplies and, uh, you know, all my ISAC stuff and that type of thing when that was necessary. Did you have any sort of garment in reach or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I had the, uh, I had one of those. I don't remember which one. I think it was the in reach. The one I can, I can Bluetooth it to my phone and I could text her. So I would highly recommend anyone that has somebody at home. One of those, it was just, you know, every night I got to camp, I could text her and, you know, very important. And is that was that was sort of the program that you guys set up is each night when you camped, you would text her kind of location and I'm good and love you and yeah. whatever else. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she, uh, I didn't tell her where I was or anything. She could go on there and look okay. if she wanted to, but I would, yeah, pretty much just say, you know, made it to camp, love you. And if she was up, she'd text back. If not, because we were, you know, three hours separated. <laughs> you were a world apart. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's not like she can just drive up to the trail real quick and say hi. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of being a world apart, you 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 know landed in in the the desert. You got to the southern terminus, and pretty pretty early on, you started running into your rattlesnakes. Oh yeah, tons of them. <laughs> I was like, you were just the lucky guy, I guess. Oh my gosh, they were all like right on the trail too. It's, why are you right here? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I counted like a dozen, I think I saw. So yeah, they, you know, none of them like striked at me or anything, but you know, I I definitely saw my fair share. Yeah. Well, I mean, a few of them seemed to be just going about their business, but a few of them were, were coiled. They look like ready. Oh they yeah. Were, they were pissed. <laughs> yeah. They were they they rattled at me, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't try to hit me. Now, what did you? How did you? Particularly the ones that were kind of coiled beside the trail, or what have you. How did you get around them, or did you just kind of wait them out? Or um, I, if there was, you know, if there was a way around, I would just go up around the trail, or I would just do like a a screaming, running, jump, kick thing. You know, we just uh, you know took a little running start and jump over it. <laughs> and hope they couldn't launch <laughs> yeah with some sort of karate noise you know <laughs> of course you got to have the karate yeah. noise and i was i was kind of laughing like your your animals of the of the pct kind of thing i mean you didn't seem to have much bears except for the one that was far far away <laughs> a little yeah, brown speck yeah. um but you did have a lot of like deer and that kind of thing yeah, for sure. No, nothing, uh, nothing crazy. Though. I mean, once we were up in Washington and there was snow cover, mm-hmm. you could really see how many 
uh, mountain or cougars or whatever it is that's out there. I don't remember cougars. I mean, there was, you know, paw prints everywhere. So that was a little more discouraging to know that there was that many of them out there. But I never saw any. Did it make you feel like, wonder if you had, you were being watched, I guess? Uh, no, I never really felt that. I definitely have heard stories of, you know, being stalked by them, but mm-hmm. I always felt like I was following their tracks. So they were but, ahead of you. You know. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. I was always kind of attent to like, am I going to walk up behind it, you know? And I did not want to do that. Yeah, but why? It's just a big pussy cat. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh. What do you think was the strangest place that you slept while you were on the PCT? I have my personal opinion, but... <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, probably the airport on my way home. Oh, really? I was just kind of bundled up next to this like flight attendant lady picture. It just kind of, it was weird. I just blew up all my, you know, I blew up my air mattress from the side of my sleeping bag and just kind of fell asleep in the middle of the place. <laughs> so you were prepared for a long stay at the airport? Yeah, well, I was ready for a good night's sleep. I was beat. Did you pretty much come off the trail and head almost immediately to the airport? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We, uh, Andy Tatt had, had, you know, messaged his vast list of contacts and uh, got us a ride to uh, Toronto. And then, yeah, I pretty much went straight home. Sorry, say that one more time. You said Toronto? Uh, or not Toronto, I'm sorry. Uh, Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver, okay. sorry. That makes more sense. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was uh, thinking uh, your in one of your videos you note that you slept under the I ten because of storms. Oh yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> do I do not recommend that? Yeah, that was definitely probably the worst night of sleep on the entire trip. I mean, there's there's like a train that goes by every single I don't know thirty minutes or something, and then you know obviously the highway noise. So. Yeah, if you can keep pushing on, I would not recommend sleeping under that. But you had a specific reason why you were sleeping under there, which was the oh, yeah, storms yeah. of 2019. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, it was huge. There was a, a large storm coming in. Mm-hmm. So it, that being said, it was a great spot. But, you know, lots of mice under there and Ugh. noise. And, yeah, exactly. Gross. Yeah. Was there any, when this, was there any concern about flooding or anything like that just a little bit because you could tell that water uh definitely went through that so i kind of just find myself you know i perched up on a little higher spot so mm-hmm. which was it was fine that some water did end up coming through there but it wasn't very much so after that restful night's sleep <laughs> <laughs> you get up the next day and i mean how is it because that's Having a not restful night is probably not that unusual on the trail. How is yeah. that the next day? It, it is hard. You, you're just kind of groggy, you know, and you don't really want to do anything, but you have to because mm-hmm. you only have so much food and water. and You got to get to the next town and the next pizza, you know. So pizza is your, your uh, kryptonite? 
Uh, actually, my the first thing I would probably get uh, usually was a, a beer. Like I would try to find whatever local beer was there, if there was a local thing, and then mm-hmm. yeah, and then pizza. Well, speaking of beer, in Bend, Oregon, you you did the beer tour. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a little scooter that I rented. There's like the Pumpkin Brew Hostel there, mm-hmm. and they let you buy. You can take a bicycle or a scooter, and I was like, oh sweet, I'll take one of these little Razor scooters. So I went around to I don't know three or four breweries, and stopped for some ice cream on my way home after the last one and you know hit a little patch of rocks wiped out and messed up my hand and you know <laughs> uh, that's pretty much my worst injury on trail is off trail uh, it'd been a little too long since you'd driven a motorized vehicle yeah that too for sure i was very my, my coordination was not there <laughs> When you were in the Sierras, when you were in Northern Washington, were you carrying extra food, like a day or two's extra food, just to be on the safe side? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, I was probably not carrying enough. Uh, I think when I left White Pass, you know, like the first storm hit me when I was right before I got into Goat Rocks. And like, that was a horrible storm. It was like sideways on top of Goat Rocks. You couldn't see anything. And uh, that's when I first hooked up with uh, Beats. I don't know if you saw him in any of the videos. He's, mm-hmm. he's uh, Anyway, he, I, that's the first time I met up with him and we made it through Goat Rocks. And then after that, it was pretty much snow the rest of the way. And it definitely slowed me down. And I had ended up given having some other people give me some of their foods which was much needed like i would have made it but i would have made it very hungry so the next time i definitely took a little more extra was that primarily just because the snow was slowing you got slowing you down so much oh yeah definitely and like it passes and it was just you know knee deep drifts and and it was just really cold like Mm-hmm. The the first day or the first or second day at White Pass, my shoes were pretty much roached. Like, and I was like, "Yeah, I've only got a hundred miles. I'll I'll make it." But they had had like a hole in the side, and all this snow is like it's wet, so it's just packing in your pants and packing in everything, and all the snow is getting packed in my shoe, and yeah. I ended up getting like frostbite on my toe and a little spot on my foot like the first or second day out of there. So like, you know, it, it, it definitely slows you down. But then at, at night, I'm also like in my tent trying to fill up my shoes. And, you know, it was not good. It almost feels like the perfect, the perfect storm of calorie burn. You're cold. So your body is needing to use more. You're working out, you're, you're moving, you're hiking. So your body needs to, to burn more. And you're working even harder because you have to get through the snow. Yes. Yes. Like I was eating, I mean, I took a bar for pretty much every 30 minutes, it seemed like. I mean, I was just eating granola bars or whatever kind of bar I could buy for cheap at that point, you know. And, you know, you were burning so many calories. And, and you were only going half the miles. I mean, we were <laughs> the biggest day was 11 miles or something. And it was just... 
it was really hard. Was it frustrating? You know, at times, but it was just like, I, I just kind of embraced the fact, you know, I mean, it's just kind of, it is what it is. What are you going to do about it? You know, if you want to leave, you can leave. If you want to make it, this is what it is. You just have, you have to uh, give in to the experience, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the trail will win if you let it. You just gotta, you gotta push through whatever situation it, it puts you through, you know? And I, I said this in one of my videos. It was something that my uh, dad always said when I was younger, and it always drove me crazy. And it was, and it came back to back to me like the last couple of weeks out there. And one of them was just the word desire, which is you know you got to have a desire to do this. It's not just like oh this is going to be fun. It it sucks. It's hard. It's so easy to just be like eh, I'm going to go home. Just press on regardless is something else he would say. And it was just you know whatever the circumstance, keep pressing on. So that helped me out at the end. Yeah, you needed a lot of both of those at the end. Yes, for sure. Was your father military? Uh, yeah, so he was in the, he was in the Navy, Okay, which is probably where all that came from. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds military-ish. Yeah. Because they know about hard stuff. Oh, yeah. They've been through some things. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> Was it because you prepacked kind of all your food, your resupplies, and or not all, but a lot of your your food was sent to you in resupplies. It had been packaged right. early on, basically. Was there anything that you were just sick of, or you couldn't eat another bite of by the time you finished? Honestly, no. I did a. I feel like I did a pretty good job. Like I started like two or three months before. And like, just got every different kind of protein bar and whatever. And I never had more than two of the same protein bar or bars in the, in a resupply. So I feel like I did pretty good breaking up everything. And then I just would treat myself in town with like whatever I was craving, like packing out a bag of Doritos or, you know, whatever I was feeling like cheese and crackers or whatever, you know, but, um, even the same thing with the meals I had, I think a dozen different meals that I had. So I never had more than the same one of the same meal every week or every resupply, which took some planning, but it, it, you know, it worked out. So you could never, you never got sick of something just because there was that much diversity, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, and I didn't buy a single cliff bar. Like <laughs> I got so sick of cliff bars from like previous hikes. I just, I didn't buy a single one for my resupply and I did not eat one until um, like the last week or something. I had gotten a couple out of the, the hiker boxes at Raven's Roost. So I had to eat those, but I, I made the entire trail without eating a cliff bar up until then, which is probably some sort of record. I should check into that. <laughs> you should. You should. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, the bars really seem to be what people get sick of the most. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's like that was something that I kind of eat for breakfast anyway. You know, I just kind of run out of the house with one or two of those, and it was just kind of normal to me. So you, you pre-prepared yourself. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I trained. I trained for <laughs> crappy eating. Nice one, Mike. Nice one. Yeah. That's a good, good strategy. 
There were a lot of things that happened to you last year, but I'm particularly fascinated with the desert section for some reason. I don't know why, but what were you using for navigation? Were you using uh, gut hooks? Uh, yeah, that was pretty. I didn't have anything else other than gut hooks. Okay. Which is probably unwise, but yeah, you know, it, it works great. Yeah, it's sort of that that dilemma that I'm facing or thinking through right now because I I get on the trail in a little less than three weeks or about three weeks. Yeah, that's exciting. It, it's exciting, and and I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely also an oh shit factor to it as well. By the way, oh yeah, oh my god, I, I know that feeling. Absolutely. But I, I just keep repeating to myself, you know, Amazon and REI, Amazon and REI. <laughs> <laughs> they got everything. Exactly. You know, and, and before I go into the Sierras, there's, you know, Triple Crown Outfitters and there's, uh, what is it, Two Feet? Yeah, uh, Two, two foot, foot Adventures. adventures. Yeah. You know. Which they have, honestly, they have everything you need. Like, it's insane how much they packed into those places. Well, and what was insane, because you had pictures of both of them, is that they seem to be converted boxcars or converted it, yeah. shipping containers. Yeah, the one, um, the, the Triple Crown Yogi, she's uh, she's in, yeah, converted shipping containers. Like, mm-hmm. I think two of them. And then she's got like a tent out there that you can, you know, chill and charge your stuff. And then uh, Two Foot Adventures is in like a old Airstream trailer. Okay. And she just kind of, I think she moves around. Like she starts out, I think I saw her first in Warner Springs. Oh. She parks there. Yeah, I think she parked there first last year. And then she moved up to uh, Kennedy Meadows. So basically, But I don't know what she's doing this year. Yeah. So basically, she's the mobile, mobile resupply unit. Yep. And then you have, and she'll ship you. Well, both of them will ship you. You know, if you call either one of them, they'll ship mm-hmm. you whatever you want to. You know, right? So they're also good resources, and and obviously they yeah. are probably even more familiar with the through hiking needs and culture than REI and Amazon are. Uh, I mean, for that particular area, yeah, they you know they probably know what they want to do as they go into the series. You know, whether it's whether people are buying the right thing is another mm-hmm. thing, but right. You know, they got all the ice axes and micro spikes and, you know, bear containers and whatever else. When you walked in there, had you pre... No, you had those some of those things already, so you didn't necessarily have to buy them. Yeah, I did have those things, and then I had them shipped to me, which, you know, an ice axe shipping from Florida, I think it was like 50 or 60 bucks, so, you know... And the hassle of my wife having to go and do all of it, it might have been just worth it to buy the one there, you know? Right. At that point, you're sort of almost getting... Yeah. But, I, you know, I had an ice axe. So it's like, I live in Florida. How many ice axes do I need, you know? <laughs> and how many times are you going to use it? Right. So I was like... And actually, we got through this year, and there were some JMTers going south. And we had just gotten through, like, the worst of it. And I was like, I'm done carrying this thing. I think it was at Mirror Trail Ranch, actually. And uh, these kids were headed south. I was like, you guys got ice houses? You know, you're not wanting one. And I was just like, here, take mine. I'm done. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. 
for the for the next trail for the next time you'll uh you'll just buy it on trail versus shipping it yeah i I would think so yeah unless there's a way that i start with it you know and you know just take it from the beginning what like what did you what had you bought your ice axe for uh well like i said we went uh we tried to do the down year trail in 2017 and me and my wife both and and knew that it was a you know a crazy snow year, but we were going to go out and give it a go. But you know we got three days in, and it was just like no, this is not the summer backpacking trip we'd hoped for. So we ended up. It actually you know we were devastated at the time, but it was it ended up being an awesome trip. We went up and did the Timberline Loop and hiked some of the Oregon coast trail and went and saw Smith Rock State Park and did a bunch of other stuff. So it worked out great. So you got Florida your hike down on. River for 4th of July. Oh yeah. We definitely got our hike on. Now when you, speaking of Kennedy Meadows, cause, uh, you were also there. They, they put on a movie for you guys. Yeah. They're, they're only supposed to play them. I, I guess either Friday or Saturday night. But there was, uh, man, I can't, which I can't remember who it was, but you know, some smooth talking, good looking through hiker talked him into playing one for us. So yeah, we watched like two or three movies the two days I was there. So yeah, it was great. Or the two nights I was there. Yeah. It's a good place to zero. I mean, you can kind of hop back and forth between, um, you know, the general store there and crumpy bears. Because they're kind of, you know, they're about, I don't know, a five-minute hitch from each other. So you can go back and forth, and they got different specials for hikers and whatever. They they got it going on for you. They know what their clientele is? Oh, yeah. And there's definitely a rivalry between them. Like, <laughs> at one point while we were there, they were, like, in each other's face, like, you're stealing my business? You know. So... I don't think they always get along. Uh, how many hikers do you think were in Kennedy Meadows while you were there? Oh my gosh, there were so many. There were so many people just like, what are we doing? Where are we going? Are we going through? Are we, you know, are we slipping north? Are we, you know? So, man, I would at least at least 100. I mean, every little spot there was to camp was filled. It was, you know, grumpy bears had people in it. There was a lot of people there. Where did you end up staying? Uh, I just camped at the the general store, like where that movie theater is. There's like a big camping area for you there. How was camping for you on the trail? Did you end up pulling your tent out and using it a lot, or did you cowboy camp? Or uh, yeah, I definitely am a, a tent a tent dweller. <laughs> I I like all my things. You know, I have a a place for everything, you know, I'm one of those, one of those guys. So, you know, I, I definitely like putting my tent up and having, having my things secure. I probably camped, I think only twice the entire trip. What, what pushed you out of the tent? Um, I don't know. I think one of them was just the Sierras. It was like the night of 4th of July. Uh, we were getting ready to go up Mather Pass and we had just found like this rock one singular rock that didn't have snow on it, you know, and there was four of us that were trying to camp. So it was just kind of like, you know, it's not really easy to set up a tent on a big rock. 
Yeah. So just kind of, yeah, let's just set up the bags and crash. I guess from that perspective, because it, because you were high and it was cold. Like yeah. My biggest thing with cowboy camping are the bugs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like there's no way I'm not sleeping in my tent in the desert. Like I saw some crazy bugs. Like, I, you know, I saw scorpions, mm-hmm. snakes. I saw some like five inch long death centipede looking thing. Like I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to sleep out there. <laughs> and like in the middle of the night in the desert, you're the warmest thing out there. Come on. Yes. Yes. They are coming to cuddle you. <laughs> but in the Sierras up by Mathers Pass. Yeah. Nothing's getting to you. No, yeah. Nothing's going to be around to, to no. snuggle. No, maybe a bear. And if it snuggles, that might be good to keep you warm. Exactly. A bear hug. Yeah. How were the passes? Because you, when did you start in the desert? Uh, Like my actual start date? Yeah. Uh, May 7th. Okay. So you were... Yeah, I started a little later. Yeah, I was going to say, you were a little later in the season. I'm sure you're not the yeah. last people to try to go through, but... Oh. You no, were later no, definitely in the season. Not. For sure. Were the Sierras better, quote unquote, than uh, for the earlier people? I I would think so. I mean, you know, we had the benefit of seeing everyone's footprints on all the passes. You know, you could you could pretty much make out where people had been. Mm-hmm. And you know, what sometimes didn't work. Um, they were definitely still... <laughs> you could see where things didn't work? Well, you could just see, like, that was ending over there. Like, oh, they it. did something sketchy over there. So, like, um, they were all pretty... Still, I mean, they were still pretty bad. I mean, but you had good footholds. Like, Forrester was no big deal. I mean, you had really nice footholds going across that. And then I think the two scariest ones were Mather... And uh, Glen Pass, which no one talks about Glen Pass for some reason. Yeah. Now, why were they sketch? Um, in Mather Pass, um, you just, you did a big rock scramble. Like you look at, you're looking up at the pass and on the left side, there's all these rocks. And that's pretty much the only way to get up there. Because if you go try to go straight up, there's a big cornice at the top and, you know, you don't want to go up there. So the, it's pretty much this big rock scramble on the left side and, by the time you're going up there, there's a dozen people doing it at the same time, you know, kicking rocks and, you know, loose stuff everywhere. Big steps. It was just, it was sketchy, you know, just one of those things where you lose your footing or, you you know, it's, it could be hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long way down. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a little fall. And then Glen Pass, um, it was just huge and there was so much snow. And, um, you know, if you don't hit it first thing when it's crunchy, it just, it gets slushy and slick. Um, that was actually probably the scariest day I had on trail was coming down Glen Pass. I was with my group. There was six of us that left Kennedy Meadows together. And, uh, we, me and another guy had gotten down and we were just kind of watching everybody else come down. And all of a sudden, one of the guys in my group's group falls and slips you see his ice axe fall and his trucking pole fall out of his hands and he takes a couple tumbles i mean he probably fell like 150 feet and like stuff right before these rocks and we're just like holy shit like 
what's going on. Like I've got my Garmin like ready to call in the chopper or whatever. So we're trying to get to him. We're yelling at him. He's not responding. And someone finally gets to him and he's, you know, he's all right. He's scratched up his hand, his hands messed up and his face is bloody, but you know, it was just being down there and watching that and being completely helpless. And it really put in perspective that like you are out there with nothing. Like you better be careful. Like it it gets real, real quick. So it's uh that was definitely a scary day. I mean, it gives me chills just talking about it. But yeah, Glenn Pass, watch out for Glenn Pass. Was there the ability to follow a trail or were you because there was so much snow to some extent you were kind of making your own trail because you had to be safe with this with the snowpack? Yeah, we were on um, this particular pass, we were following a previously walked trail uh and there's like most of the passes there was a couple different ways you know people had gone and this was just the one that we had decided to go down that looked the safest and uh a couple of us you know made it down fine but the the spot he fell was actually just it was a really it was just a sketchy spot on the trail you know it was just kind of slick where it looked like water had melted and made it like almost a sheet of ice yeah so like if you didn't, you know, make that great step over it, it was just, it was, it was slick. It is pretty amazing that, particularly last year, where it was snow, the snow was so heavy, and the storms were still rolling in even late into the yeah. season. Yeah. You know that there weren't more, I guess, injuries, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was, you know, the year before, you hear about the people. You know, it's always in your head, like, should I be doing this? But I always, you know, um, there's a, another thing that happens in Kennedy Meadows is fear-mongering. Like, everyone is talking about everything, and they don't really know, you know? They haven't been out there. I always told myself, go in, check it out. If it's too dangerous, turn around. Be ready to turn around. But, you know, I got to see it for myself. Because everyone's abilities and comfort level is d- different. Well, and the conditions are changing so quickly out there too. Yeah, yeah. Every, every day they're changing. It's yeah. different every day. I mean, and 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 when I say different as well, it's, it goes both ways. I mean, obviously, a a storm could come in, which could dump snow, or the melt, which could make other things more dangerous. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like we went over some, I don't know, half dozen snow bridges that you know, once those things start to melt away, the next way around is you know, it's pretty sketchy. Yeah. So yeah, it, it does go both ways. How were you guys with the river crossings? Um, they, they actually weren't too bad. We were able to find, uh, you know, we took the time to, to go up and down streams to try to find logs or, you know, safer places to cross. So we never really had any issues. I have to admit that I'm feeling relatively lucky this this season, the snowpack seems to be low. Yeah, yeah. It definitely doesn't sound like it's it's too bad out there. Yeah. It, it's sort of good news, bad news. I mean, it, it could yeah. be good news for, for my trek up the, the PCT. It's probably bad yeah. news for the, the water supply. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like everyone that's starting now is getting rained on in the desert. So that's, yeah. that's good, you know, which yeah. is what happened to me. I was not ready for how wet and cold the desert world was. 
you know, I was ready for the heat and I was just like, what is all this rain and snow and what the hell is going on? So if I take it that you probably first chance you got changed out a little bit, your clothing and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I definitely got a, just a rain jacket, which a rain jacket, honestly, I, I should have bought a better one. I, I just bought like a, you know, hundred dollar North face, you know, whatever rain jacket. But uh, honestly, like after three or four hours, it just soaked through. So that's definitely something I will be putting better money into next time. What were you seeing from people out there rain jacket wise that were actually doing the job when you had the rain all day kind of thing? Uh, I don't think anybody had adequate. <laughs> rain. <laughs> Nothing like, was perfect. Uh, no, I mean, there was days where it just rained all day and it was just, you know, there was no way it, it just, it just never stopped. But I, honestly, the ice, uh, there was a couple people that I met that had the Isoteric or whatever brand. Arcteric. I don't know how to say it. Arcteric, yes, that one. Uh, those seem to be really good, but those are also like, you know, $600. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you get what you pay for, I guess. Somebody was telling me that they had tried using or started using the, the ponchos. Yeah. Were you seeing that much out there? Yeah, a lot of people had ponchos. Even just like, you know, they would have the thick ones or sometimes just the thin ones. I mean, they definitely kept you dry, but you had the uh, sweat factor, you know, just mm -hmm. the breathability of them was, was not great. It's almost like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It, it kind of is. I mean, it's it's. I think it's like one of those forgotten a rain jacket, one that actually works. Right. But it, but when you're hiking, it's got to work in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. It's got to be a windbreaker and a rain jacket and a warm sweater. And a, yeah. It's got to keep the wet that's falling from the sky out, but it's also got to let the wet from inside out. Yes. Yes. Okay, companies, come up with the perfect solution. <laughs> well, I just saw these. Uh, I just got my replacement fan pack from uh, Hightail Designs. Which company? It's called Hightail Designs. Okay. They started out making just like fanny packs, but now they make a few other things. And I saw they had some rain jackets on there that are made out of the same waterproof fabric as their fanny pack. So that might be something to look into. I definitely am looking into anything because everything that yeah. I've got rain jacket wise is way too heavy. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's, yeah, rain jackets can get heavy quickly. Yeah. And that's one of those things that you don't, you kind of have to carry it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I know, as dry as the PCT is. Yeah, it was not dry. I I don't know if it was just bad timing for me. I feel like it rained half the time I was in Oregon. And it was like right when it was starting to get cold too. So it would be like rain on you all day and then freeze at night. It was, it's a lot of fun. PCT is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there is a reason why Oregon and Washington are so green. Yeah, yeah. I found out why, for sure. And you were late in the season, or later in the oh, season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they always say finish by October 1st, and we definitely found out why they say that. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted uh, to test the theory. 
Yeah, I guess we were we were pushing the thumb on that one for sure. What what was your favorite piece of gear out there? Like, what became the perfect piece of gear to do that was doing its job? Oh man, I mean, my my tent. Like, I loved my tent. Like, it was just. It was a freestanding tent, nothing crazy. It's just like a MSR one person tent. But it was just, you know, I could set it up anywhere. I could set mm-hmm. it up on rocks. I could set it up on a hill. I could, you know, it was easy. It was waterproof. It always worked. Other than me, like burning it with my stove and cutting it with a branch, you know, it, it, it was perfect. Okay. So what was the tent? Uh, it's a MSR. Uh, I think it's called the NX1 Hubba. Okay. And then me and my wife had the two-person tent, which is called the Hubba Hubba. <laughs> so, like, I, I had always liked that. So, when you know, I just bought the, the one person when I decided to go out on my own. And how was it in the water and the snow? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was fine. It kept you dry? Yeah, never had an issue with water getting in it, ever. So, so, so talk to me about this cutting and burning thing that seems counterproductive personally but well yeah it was just like honestly it didn't happen until the last probably 150 miles or so it was just one of those after you know a few rainy days drying all your stuff out and i had just had my rain fly laying out over some branches and you know ripped it on a branch trying to you know getting it off the the drying rack and then I was just cooking dinner in my tent when, one night, which you're, you know, not supposed to do. But. <laughs> Shh, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, but it's cold, you know, it's whatever, 30 degrees outside. Is, I'm going to cook in here. And I just had my rain fly open and it just kind of, the wind blew it into the open flame and melted it a little bit. But nothing a little duct tape couldn't fix. It was it was all good. Was that was that your answer to most of life's problems? Add a little duct tape? <laughs> Apply a little duct tape. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That was it. Was pretty much duct tape or moleskin. I mean, that was my first aid kit. Like I, that literally, I, I think I had a couple butterfly bandages and some safety pins and duct tape, which I would not advise you to do. But that is that is what I ended up with. So, what would you, having done this now, what would you advise somebody to do? Well. You know, that's just what I'm comfortable with. I would probably, you know, I guess if people want band-aids, I would maybe take some band-aids, but that's about it. You don't need anything out there. If you if you get a scrape or something, you're you're fine. Just rub some dirt in it and keep walking. <laughs> now that sounds like the military in you. <laughs> I, no, I'm not in the military. I wasn't in the military, but... But if your father I, uh, was in the military, you were basically in the military. Yeah, yeah. I definitely spent some time outside and got some cuts. What was your favorite laying in your tent view? Oh, man. Jeez, so many. <laughs> Seriously, just... I don't know if you, if you know this. The TCT is beautiful. I've heard. Uh, just like every day, every... every Everywhere is beautiful. I mean, my favorite one. I don't know. There was a, I think it was like the first few weeks. It was in the desert and the sun had just gone down. And like I set my tent up and there was this full moon. 
just coming up behind the, the mountains. And uh, I don't know, just the color in the skies that night. I don't know. That was probably, that's definitely up there on, up towards the top. And it feels like when you're in the desert and you've got a full moon, the the moon always feels bigger and it feels almost oh, like it's it just huge. hanging there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was huge. It was as big as the sun. Like it was crazy. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm a little partial to the pictures or you posted the video you posted from Crater Lake. Oh yeah, Crater Lake. That's a that's an amazing place. I can't believe that's not part of the original, like the the actual PCT. I think we got lucky this year that that cougar was trying to eat people. You know. <laughs> so it it basically diverted you. Right. Yeah. There was a sign posted that said, that, "Like a cougar family was here. Please go the other way." And I was like, "Okay, great." Which I had to go that way anyway because I had a resupply box. You know, I, I had to walk in to get that, and then I was going to come back to that trail. But, man, that Crater Lake was just amazing. Which you're not supposed to camp on Crater Lake either. I know. And and we'll yeah. keep that between ourselves, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I broke a couple rules out there that I, <laughs> I'm not proud of, but I, I, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> but the view was epic. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was worth it. Speaking of quote unquote breaking rules, your permit also expired while you were out there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize it until somebody else, somebody had gotten stopped by a ranger. Oh no, I got stopped by a ranger. You got stopped by a ranger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I got stopped by a ranger and he's like, Hey, you know, your your permits expire. I was like, Oh geez. I didn't even I don't, I didn't know there was an end date, you know? <laughs> so yeah. Talk I mean, me through that. I, is it just because you would, I, I guess it's when you s- sign up for your permit, you sign up like how many miles a day you think you'll be going. And I think it must just generate a date for you. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't remember saying like, yeah, I'm going to be done mm-hmm. September, whatever it was. So. But it wasn't a big deal. I I called some number. My wife actually took care of it. She emailed the the PCTA and they issued me a new one. So it wasn't a big deal. So that would basic that was basically the solve was was just calling the number and and having it extended essentially. Yep, yep, yeah. It was not a problem. But now you've got to print out the next the new one. Yes, exactly. That was the only issue. Was I had to you know find a printer and print something. Yeah, I was going to say, that probably sounds more <laughs> difficult. Yeah, it was. Which, uh, Mama G, shout out to Mama G, and uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but at White Pass, she's an awesome town. She, she came up and picked us up and drove us all over the place and found a place with a printer, and, you know, she's she's a great lady. All the trail angels are great, but she was just like, you know, right when you needed it most. Which seemed to happen a lot out there. I mean, it seemed like every time, it, it honestly, it does. Like, you get to a road and you're just like, oh, my God, another road, geez. And then you see, you know, a tent with water, a soda, and you're just like, oh, my God, you're my favorite person. Lots of kindness out there. Which is what's so a part of, I think, what's so beautiful about the trail. Because we can be a little not kind to each other off the trail. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it's 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 insane how different it is out there. I mean, you there's so many different type of people out there. I mean, people from all over the country, all over the world, but we all have this one crazy common goal, and it doesn't seem to matter what else our views are. We can talk them out and talk about them, and everyone's civil. It's it's a different world out there. I don't get it. It's like a I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a great place, and just the community that surrounds it. Oh, absolutely. And and it feels like, speaking specifically of the community around it, that they also want to hold on to the specialness of the trail. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those trail angels, I mean, they love meeting all these different people. I mean, they're meeting people from everywhere, you know, they love mm-hmm. hearing the stories and and just, you know, providing something that we can't get ourselves. I mean, as simple as a ride. I mean, you wouldn't imagine how great a ride is. How was your hitchhiking? Uh, great. I mean, I don't think I ever waited longer than 10 minutes ever for a ride. Really? Wow. Yeah. I just, it was so easy. I never had, I had one guy that took me and uh, my buddy machine up. I mean, he had a shotgun in the gun in the car. But, I mean, he was as friendly as could be. I mean, we were just in one of those areas where I think everyone carries shotguns anyway. So, you know, <laughs> other than that, I mean, it was, it was great. Had you had to hitchhike before on, I guess, other trails or? Um, Just not really. No, I think I hitchhiked on the Appalachian Trail launch. Like, I just section hiked the Appalachian Trail. Other than, like, a short hitch there, I think that's, no, I think that's probably the only time I had done it. So was there any nervousness about doing it those first few times? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't remember worrying about it. I feel like I just, something that happens, you know. You just get out there and stick your thumb out and. That's it. I mean, you see what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hiding anything. This is what I look like. I probably don't smell very good. You stick your stick your leg out and. Flash yep. a little, flash a little cap. Yep, yep. Pull the shorts up a little higher. <laughs> Speaking of of not smelling good, you had an interesting demonstration of the use of desert sage, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, that works great. That is good stuff. It works really good, honestly. So, so talk me, talk us through that a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, there's tons of it out there. And, you know, you're going into town smelling like what you smell like. So I would just, you know, trim a little bit off and rub it in my own teeth and on my butts and my nuts. And you know, you're all fresh into town. Would that really mask cover the, <laughs> the through-hiking uh, scent not. or just <laughs> add to the aroma? It probably was just like on my face. So I thought I smelled good, you know. <laughs> I I definitely only did it twice, you know. It was just kind of a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as you point out, if if it helps, yeah, it I, I mean, I definitely good. felt it felt. I felt like it helped. Mm-hmm. But who knows? <laughs> you didn't actually ask the person who picked you up whether you. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No one. No one complained. <laughs> or um, they also didn't say, "Wow, you smell really good." Either, so. <laughs> Right. How sagey of you. Yeah, right. Oh, you're the best smelling hiker ever. <laughs> they did not say that. 
When you were out there with the water, I was seeing on your pack that you had a, a water bottle. I'm assuming it was just one of the leaders, smart or life water bottles. Um, yeah. But you had this in, really interesting cap that you had rigged up. Yeah. That? That's a snazzy straw. Please tell us. <laughs> so I, I started the trail with a, you know, a water reservoir in my pack, mm-hmm. but it was just like, you know, it's inconvenient. It takes up a lot of space in your pack. Uh, so I just, I came up with this snazzy straw, right? I think it was kind of, I think I did it when we got into Bishop. I was just kind of fed up with the, you know, all the water situation. So I just rigged this water bottle up on my shoulder strap and then cut a hole in the top of a, my cap, got a O-ring at the local hardware store, and then, you know, just stuck my reservoir hose in the top of it i think i'm actually gonna patent it so maybe i shouldn't be talking about this <laughs> well, only you can call it the schnazzy straw yeah, right, yeah. That name everybody is else is just an imitator yeah exactly and honestly it worked really good i was thinking of making like a bunch and just trying to sell them at trail days or something maybe this mm-hmm. year but it's just to see see what the response is because i had a bunch of people you know, like as I was talking to people out there, they're like, what is that? What is that straw? Where did you get that? So there was definitely interest in it. It was super convenient too. Well, that was what I was going to say. It looked like it was, you know, a lot of times when you have a reservoir or a bladder on your back and you've got the the tube coming around and then, you know, the convenience of it, because it's right there, you were sort of duplicating with, with your your uh, your rig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was super easy. It was really nice. And then, like, I didn't even have to take it off to filter water into it or anything. You know, I could just put it in my, you know, filter the water right into it. I didn't even have to take my pack off if I didn't want to. Okay, wait, like, like talk me through that a little bit. <laughs> so I would just, like, fill up my C-knock, my water blotter, or a, a, and sometimes I was just using another liter bottle, and I'd put my filter on it and just squeeze it right into the bottle right there, you know, take the cap off and filter okay. it right in. So that, so that bottle sort of became a permanent fixture to the front of your, of your straps. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, you could take it off easily too, but it, you know, I, I just kept it on there. Now, what were you using to ho- actually let me step back for a second. What was the pack that you were using first? Uh, I carried the Osprey Levity 45. Levity 45. Okay. Yeah. It was their uh, new ultralight pack. Got it. Okay. Which is, I, I know there's lighter packs out there, but there's just a couple features I really liked about officer packs, like the, the room on the back and stuff like that. So yeah, that was the pack I was using. I did switch for the Sierras actually. I had a, I switched out to my Atmos uh, 65 just because I had the big bear canister and the ice axe and the micro spikes and more clothes. And it was just more weight and the, the levity, anything over like 30 pounds with the levity, you know, it just gets a little, it's not as comfortable. So on the levity, was there something on the strap that would hold the water bottle that you were using? Uh, No, I, I basically just took a, like a six inch piece of string and tied it around one of my little straps. And then I kind of just 
twisted it and <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, but I would just twist it until it was tight enough to where that top of the bottle would just barely fit through that. And then I had another strap at the bottom that had a uh, cinch cinch mechanism on it that would hold the bottom. So there wasn't actually a pocket or anything around it. It was just the strap and the string holding yeah. it against your, your strap, so to yeah. speak. Which, which kept it surprisingly tight. Like it wasn't like bobbling around and driving me crazy. It was, it was pretty tight up against me. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It worked really well. You were MacGyvering all over the place. For sure. I, uh, I, I called myself Mike, Mike Giver. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> what, what else did you MacGyver? Mac, Mike uh, Giver. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I don't think anything else. That was probably it. I'm always thinking of things, but but never actually. That was had probably to do the them. yeah. That was probably the only one that I actually executed. So so you you created. You're the inventor of the snazzy straw. Yeah. And the snazzy bottle holder. Yep. <laughs> so to which speak. is actually yeah. That's that's probably to be you're right. A separate item in itself. But that brings up the question, which uh, your trail name is Snazzy. So where did that come yeah. from? Um, well, uh, it was actually like the, like the third or fourth day in. I met a. I had passed back and forth a couple um, from Scotland, and one of them was from Scotland, one of them was San Diego area, and they they had talked to me a couple of times, and he mentioned something about how Snazzy my shorts look. Because they were like, I don't know, they were, they were these Patagonia baggies with like floral print on them, you know. They, were, they looked really nice. They were brand new. Like my shirt's brand new. My top's brand new. Like I was looking good. <laughs> <laughs> so he just, you know, he said, you look snazzy. I was like, you know what? That'll work. Before I get like shit in my hands or whatever, you know, I, I'll take snazzy for sure. So I don't know. It just kind of stuck with me too. I, I maintained a pretty good. I felt like I was pretty clean out there. Yeah. Like my clothes never got like nasty looking. I don't, I just felt like I never looked like a complete bum. You always maintained your, uh, snazzy factor. Yeah. The snazzy, the snazziness. <laughs> was Northern Washington your most difficult time on trail? Oh man. I, I would say like, yeah, physically demanding and honestly like life threatening. Yes. It was definitely the hardest part of the trail and just wanting, not that you wanted to be done, but you kind of needed to be done and you couldn't be done any quicker. It was just kind of like the never ending trail at that point. As you start looking at your, your gut hooks and realize you've only gone half a mile in the last two hours or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was one day we were going half a mile an hour. It was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> just like every step, it was just like you were stepping over a big tractor tire. Just like, but it was fun. When you finished, when you got to Manning and you got to that northern terminus, were you ready to be done? I mean, yes and no. I mean, it was just, you don't, you don't want to be done because it's just the most amazing experience ever. I mean, you're out there with awesome people. You have amazing views every day. You're challenging yourself every day. I mean, you got to 
the fact that you have to get up every single day, walk 20 miles or whatever you walk, I mean, day after day, it is, it's taxing on your body and your mind. And it's just, yeah, you want to be done, but at the same time, you want to keep going because it, it feels so good to do that every day. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was hard to be done, but I was definitely ready to see my wife and, and get back home. How did your body hold up throughout the um, entire trail? Honestly, r- really good. Um, I had like one little muscle strain uh, right, like kind of right before I got to Cajon Pass early on the trail where I, I don't remember what I did. I had done like a 25 mile day, which at the time was like my longest day and just walked on this like strained muscle for, I don't know, half a day or whatever. And the next day it was just really hurt. So I actually ended up taking a day off there. But other than that, I mean, I didn't get sick. Like I, I usually get like migraines and stuff like at least once or twice a month where it's like takes you out of commission. Didn't have a single migraine up there. Like I was completely healthy. Why do you think that was no migraines? I mean, I I don't know. Probably all the crazy stress from daily life. I don't know. <laughs> the stress, the so caffeine, I mean, the so pollution. Much, yeah, I mean, there's so much crap every day, you know, it's just a lot. And you don't have to worry about any of that out there. You just, walking where am i going to camp where's the water at do you think this town has pizza the big life decisions <laughs> exactly the important things which is all, all that really matters like where's food where's water where am i sleeping yeah keeping it simple yeah when you got back home did you have a recurrence of the migraines um i've i've only had honestly i've only entirely had one since i've been back so that is actually now that you mention it i don't know what that's about i'll probably i'm definitely not working as much as i was before i left either you know it's kind of like crazy make as much money as you can get as many things done as you can before you leave so i'm I'm definitely not back into the full swing things yet even six months after i've been back (laughs) or however long it's been yeah it's interesting, like physiologically something changed for you. Who knows what that is, but something must have changed. Yeah, there's definitely a switch that got flipped. It's just like, I was like, you know, I'm very routine. Like I do the same thing every day mm-hmm. type of person. And I just, like haven't even done that. Like I'm throwing my dirty clothes on the floor. And my wife's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Picked up a few bad habits. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's just like, I didn't have to worry about you. I'm worrying about my clothes now. Speaking of that, because you you made a couple of mentions in your videos about actually no, I take that back. That was somebody else. But but you just mentioned liking structure, and when you're out on the trail, I mean, there is a certain structure to it. In so much oh, yeah. as you know, you're walking every day, but that's kind of the thing that's nice about it. It can be as structured as you want it, or you can be as chaotic as you want it. You can be, you know, sleep in every day and have your stuff sprout everywhere, which I saw a lot of people like that. But I was definitely like, I got to camp. I did the same thing every night. I put my, you know, everything was in the same spot every night. You know? I definitely had a routine out there, which is far from removing what I'm doing here lately at my house. It's just kind of, I'm just like a maniac, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, So we need to get you back on the trail again. Yeah, right. I know. Honestly, it sounds like that's the safest place to be right now. 
Switching switching topics on you for a second here. Yeah. When I say the Pacific Crest Trail, what is the memory, the first memory that pops into your head? Man, uh, probably just those last couple of weeks in Washington, just like spending the time with those those guys and pushing through those crazy miles. I mean, I guess that's the first thing that comes to my head, but then it quickly goes to just all the other people that I met out there. I mean, I'm not a very outgoing like person, you know, I don't go seeking out conversation with strangers, but I mean, I just met so many amazing people that I would never have talked to in normal life. That just, you know, really great people out there. Did you find yourself maybe gravitating a little bit towards talking with people and, uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, once I got towards, probably like towards Warner Springs, I kind of, you know, got a little more comfortable, you know, you made it, you know, a hundred miles or whatever, like you've gone a little bit, you're getting a little more comfortable. And I, I you know, I'd opened up with a couple people and you'd meet up with the same people in towns and, you know, you start to meet, you know, you start to learn their names and just short little conversations and, you know, you're all doing the same thing. It's hard not to know where they're from or what the hell they're doing out here. Why are they out here? Now? So yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely opened up. And by the time Kennedy Meadows is, you, can't, you pretty much have to open up because it's time <laughs> to go to the family. <laughs> yeah. Did you, were you hiking at all with those people, those guys before you went into the Sierras? Um, man, I don't no, I don't think I had. I mean, I had seen them, you know, it was just kind of the same situation where we'd pass or camp at the same spot or near each other, just kind of see each other during the day. Uh, me and Shay, uh, we had met up at, um, there was like a four-mile closure first, and we had ended up having like a road walk, and this guy picks us up, or picked me up, that was staying at this like, ski lodge that they got they all part of and put me and Shay up in the ski lodge and cooked us dinner and cooked us breakfast and shot BB guns and they had a keg of beer there. It was like one of my favorite trail angel experiences. But uh yeah, I met Shay there for the first time. I think that was like mile four hundred or five hundred. And then, you know, just kept meeting them back and forth. Same with sea bass and American Pie and Jordan was the only one I don't think I had met before. So how did you decide to go into the Sierras with these guys versus a different group that was also going in around the same time? Um, uh, I don't know. There was, there was a bunch of groups going in and they, Shay was, I would say Shay and American Pie were probably like the, the, you know, the vocal people of the group. And they were just kind of congregating people that they had met along the trail. And, uh, they were all kind of my age group. You know, we were all kind of 30 somethings and just was like, you can come with us. I was like, perfect. You're my best friends. <laughs> <laughs> my new BFFs. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, countless time, everyone out there is cool. So, I mean, anybody that you meet is, they're pretty cool. You'll, you'll be able to get along with them at least for a couple weeks, you know? But we ended up hiking. I hiked with um, 
American Pie, Jordan, and Seabass uh, actually got off of that Glen Pass scare. And uh, I ended up hiking with Shay and Machine all the way up to, I think, Bernie Falls area. So we, we, we hiked like almost 800 miles together. It's, it's crazy how people come together and then sort of almost like satellites, like rotate around e- each other on the trail. Yeah. It, and it's fun to see all the little groups. Like in the Sierras, we would see the same, you know, we'd all meet at the at lunch or at the top of a pass or a camp, you know, because we were all pretty much doing the same thing. You know, you go over a pass first thing and then you camp at night. So it was just, it was fun to see all the different groups of people, you know, because everybody, you know, it's kind of, it's, I don't want to call it clicky, but it, it is kind of clicky, you know, you, you kind of join, get up with your, your like people. And well, and you also have your tramley and, and that can be a little clicky too, maybe. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything we haven't spoken, spoken about yet, but that we should? Oh man. I don't know. You want to talk about your hike at all? Are you scared? <laughs> I am as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, um, you should the be. answer to just, that. Maybe just nervous. Yeah. Just nervous. But yeah, I mean, scared is probably, and I keep using the word terrified, and that's probably an overstatement as well. But, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am, I'm excited and I'm nervous, and I just keep telling myself to take it slow, to let my yeah. body work into it. Um, you know, and that I'm sure that I will overpack. Yeah, that's you. You know that I think everyone does that. You'll you'll figure out the first few weeks. Like, oh, I don't yeah. need that. See, ya, I don't need that. I need one of these. You'll switch some things out. You'll you'll hone it in. So I'm just I'm being I'm having, I'm or I'm trying to have kindness, grace, whatever, with myself in the overpacking yep. that I will be doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Just be patient with yourself. Yeah. One step at a time, you know, it's just, that's it. Yeah, that's exciting. So when do you have an actual, do you have a start date? How many days away are you? Am I your last interview? Uh, you are not my last interview, actually. Oh, all um, right. I am, I ha- my date is April 4th. Okay, nice. So it's about three weeks away. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're, <laughs> the sound of you saying that is not helping my nervousness here. Just so I, you know, it's just, no, I just remember how it's, it's just exciting. Like, yeah, it's so exciting. Like, I just remember that feeling. Like, oh my gosh, so much to do, but it's okay. I'm going to get it done. Well, and that's the thing I think of it is there is so much to do. Like, I'm doing the last research because I've. S- because I'm getting to the prepping late and because I don't have this big history of backpacking, you know, I'm having to buy things and yeah, I'm trying to make lists. Like, what do I need to go to REI to buy? What do I need to get online? What are these lists? Where am I going to go to get these things? <laughs> no, I'm a list person myself. I would like to have <laughs> five lists of everything. Like yep. That is exactly where I am. Cause I'm trying to, cause I know that if I don't make my list, I will forget something and yeah, then I will be screwed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and particularly, so you, I was going to say, particularly forgetting something that I have to get online because I need the time to get it here. Right, right. 
And you'd like to at least touch it once before you, you know, <laughs> walk off, yes. walk off in the wilderness with it. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of like, I did the, the same, like I bought a brand new sleeping bag in San Diego, like the day before I started, I was like, this is probably not a good idea, but you know, it's a We're good going place with to get it. it. Yeah. <laughs> this is now the plan. Yep. So what are you most nervous about? Just being ready or? Right now I feel like, yeah, it is just being ready to literally walk out the door on the 1st of April, because that's when I start migrating down yeah. and being ready to, to walk out the door, to lock it behind me and to be gone for five and a half months. Yeah. Is that how long you're planning? Uh, yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it ended up taking me, I think five months and three weeks or something, but there's no rush if you need the time take it right no exactly but what's so funny also to me or ironic to me as well it's is that i do production and most of the production that i do is on location which means that i'm gone from home six months seven eight months sometimes yeah but that type of leaving doesn't feel as nervous or panicky as this moment right now with that three <laughs> weeks to go, you know, like last right, year, I yeah. literally, I literally left home for four months with a week's notice. And that was fine. It was it's yeah. just so strange. This is way different. So are you going to do any, uh, like anything with the podcast while you're out there? Are you going to do any like, interviews or anything like that? I am. So I've been, I've been storing up, stocking up on, on interviews while I'm home, obviously. And then I will put those ones out or have those set up to go out. And then when that runs out, the goal is to continue to do it, but do it from the trail. So, you know, do more like half hour ones from the trail, talking to people who are on the trail around me in my bubble, so to speak. Right. Yeah. That'll be fun. And and if nothing else, I'll talk for half an hour. Yeah. I always love hearing the, the trail stories. I love hearing people's experiences out there. It's just, everyone's going through the same thing, but it's so different for everyone. You know, it's, yeah. it could be the worst day for somebody and the best day for the person right behind them. You know, it's, it's so crazy. It is so crazy. The differences of experience, even like you said, you know, an hour behind or an hour in front it, of, right. Yeah. Let alone a day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, Yeah. It's, you know, the hike your own hike thing. That's why you do it because it's, it's different for everyone. Well, and I think that that's the thing that is challenging because, you know, everybody sort of, whenever they say hike your own hike, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people, when they say that sort of put a little, um, yeah, you know, whatever, hike your own hike, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But it becomes such a truth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I like. I hate to say it because it has become somewhat cliche, and everyone uh-huh. says it. But I mean, it's 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 true. I mean, you really have to go out there and, and do that because it's that's the only way you're going out there. That's what you're going out there to do. Well, and it, it's 
funny to me with that very saying, you know, every person is going out onto the trail for a different reason. Yeah, absolutely. And in order to have, the, and, and I feel like on the flip side of that, you also have the, the cliche, the trail provides. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's but true. When you, but when you find <laughs> those two things together, the trail provides what you need to hike your own hike and what really you probably need in order to get the transformation that that could occur if you allow it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's another thing that is true. I mean, the trail does provide, whether it's a trail angel or a town just when you need it, or, a, you know, you make it to the top of a pass or a waterfall or something. It's just like that one little thing that might just get you to the next day, you know, it's, yeah, it's there all the time. If you're looking. If you're looking, if you're present. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a big thing. You gotta be, you gotta be where you are. I actually heard somebody say, and, and I think it's a brilliant saying of be where your feet are. Yeah. That's a, that's perfect. Where can people find you? Where should people find you if they have other questions for you or want to follow your continuing adventures? Yeah, I'm only on the Insta, and that's um, at Nobo Stone, N-O-B-O, Stone, like the rock. And then uh, YouTube, I'm uh, Nobo Stone on YouTube as well. Okay, perfect. Yep. Uh, the only thing I was going to mention is something I was trying to raise money for uh, Hike for Mental Health while I was out there and didn't do a very good job at it. So, you know, if you're someone that's knows someone that struggles with mental health, check out that organization. It's a, it's a great, uh, a great group that does good things for people and helps maintain trails and things like that. So if you want to go check out hikeformentalhealth.org, that's a good, good place. Perfect. Other than that, no, I think uh, that was a lot of fun. I was nervous. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this, and I'm following people like Airborne and mm-hmm. all these crazy <laughs> hikers, you know. So, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate your time. I appreciate yours. Thank you so much for for uh, coming on and, and sharing your stories. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I love talking about it anytime I can. <laughs> I, th- I think that is the one universal between all hikers. <laughs> yeah, I don't have, especially down here in Florida, no one really knows what the hell I'm talking about at all. So they're like, yeah. you did what? <laughs> you went where? Yeah. Where's that? Yep. Yeah, it's nice to talk about it for sure. Show notes and links for Mike's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Mike for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to seek out other people's stories and to share your own. That we all struggle at times or feel like we're alone is a given, but by sharing, we 
we light a beacon. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>